All right. Hi, everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben here with God Mason, and this is episode number 25 of the Pirates DSG podcast. Wowie. So, I know. We're quarter of the way to 100 episodes, so that's pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> it's been about a year then. I guess we're coming up on a year if we do it mm-hmm. every other week, so. Wow. Yeah. I think that'll probably be number 26, because I don't yeah. think we've missed one yet. Yeah. Nice. All right, mm-hmm. so tonight on the menu for you all listening, we've got um, some news, and then we're going to go over a lot of customs from, I don't know, at least five, maybe more than five different creators. And then at the end, we've just got a little, a few little brief segments on uh, some rules and combos and whatnot. So it's going to be a shorter episode than the set reviews, but um, nice variety of random topics. So I'll jump right into it with the news. Um, there's less than two months until the deadline for submissions for Ocean Train Contest number three, which is August 1st. So if you make custom train or you have interest in making any, um, you'll want to get that in uh, by August 1st. So if you haven't made much progress, you want to start uh, start now, especially so you can get you know pictures and videos done by then as well. So pretty interesting stuff. We've got at least five entrants so far and other people have expressed interest. So it should be an interesting uh, month of August for that. And then my fan site pirateswithben.com has been expanded and improved since the past month. And lately I've been uh, not just blogging every day, but also uh, blogging. So it's been a video blog lately. Um, I'm trying to do a video blog up to five times a week on my YouTube channel where you can also find the podcast playlist actually. And uh, so I'm going to look, look to continue that. And another one that's kind of funky is that eBay prices have been down a bit. Um, there's been some stuff selling for less than we've seen in the recent past. So although it's been more of a seller's market the past few years, that may be changing a bit. And I know you've had a, a little personal experience with that just recently, too. Yeah, I uh, sometime last year I put up a message in a bottle mail in a Serious Islands pack. Those are really rare. I've seen them go for more than sixty dollars, but for some reason last year I sold one for like thirty, and actually just yesterday I finished up an auction for another and it went for only twenty five. Yeah. I think I think the buyers are also drying up as well because I sold a few things that are really hard to come by these days, and there was. One bid on each. That's it. Yep. Yeah, which yeah. is a little it's a little bothersome considering I'm borderline losing money on even having picked up a cheap lot that had those. Uh, I mean, I added some stuff to my collection, but still. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has been a little funky lately on eBay, just even just the very recently, just the past two weeks or so. Um, yeah. And then other news, which we'll get to soon with the customs, uh, Xerox has announced that he's working on a third custom set focused on Bionicle. Uh, El Cazador has announced two more custom sets in progress. Um, Anchor Arms is doing a custom set, which he's posting a custom a day. Um, so that brings us to three people with Anchor Arms, Xerix, and myself, A7X Pan Pan, posting a custom of the day um, each day. So Custom Ships has been extremely active lately. So if you're into that sort of thing, that's the, that's been blowing up, quite frankly. And speaking of that... We're, we're getting some really weird themes for customs. You said somebody's working on a Bionicle set. Somebody posted an official Rainbow Six Siege customs thread recently, and and there's already that sort of um, Legend of Zelda one out there. I think it was by Alcazador. Yeah. yeah, it's going way out of uh, 
<laughs> yeah, we're going way off the rails with themes. I mean, power to them. If you like those and want to play with them, well, go for it. Yeah. It's just, I like to keep my peas and mashed potatoes separate on the plate. Yeah, yeah, I usually do. Um, for me, lately, it's been a case of just kind of looking at the stats and, like, abilities of each ship uh, specifically and not really thinking about the flavor <laughs> implications because mm-hmm. sometimes it does get a little a little out there. Um, and speaking of which, uh, my Epic Seas set, which is a general fantasy set, not really inspired by another franchise of any kind, that one has been expanding a bit. I've actually added even more stuff. So that's got well over 200 game pieces. And because it's getting bigger, we're going to cover a little bit more of my fantasy set per episode. Um, instead of just one, we might do four or five pieces on a random episode like this. And I'm trying to release one fantasy custom per day, um, along with the historical stuff, at least until I run out of new fantasy stuff. But I've got a bunch a bunch more coming, including a couple I, we- I worked on uh, this past week that are kind of kind of crazy, but in an interesting way, I think, in my opinion. So... Um, without further ado, we're going to get into the custom sections. So that sums up the news in general. And uh, just a little shout out that if you do want custom game pieces reviewed on the podcast, you can post specific pieces in the podcast threads on the various forums. And uh, that's the best way for us to know exactly what you want reviewed. Um, but other than that, we're going to get into the organized version of the custom ships thread. And uh It'll probably be one of the last times we go into the thread because we are losing track of what exactly we've gone through. We don't want to retrace those steps. So we're probably, well, possibly going to abandon that. And we'd prefer that if people do want things reviewed, post them as a response to the podcast thread and uh, post the miniatures you want us to talk about because that'll just keep things easier for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. Yep, so uh, in Custom Ships Organized Version, uh, Sylvaxry, a custom from his, is uh, Barrel of Fools. This is a two-masted pirate submersible, which is a new uh, keyword, he says, cannot be given a surface action once submerged, and once you roll a six on a D6, crew cannot be unloaded from or loaded onto the ship once it leaves your home island. They still follow the usual submarine rules, though it's kind of like a kind of like a nerfed version of submarine. So like I said, two segments, uh, pirate, uh, both cannons are 4S, 4 cargo, SS move, and along with this new submersible keyword, it says, whenever the ship is given a move action, roll a D6. On a 1 or 2, submerge or surface this ship. So if it's uh, so if it's underwater, you have to surface it, and then vice versa. So this is one I've seen vaguely a little bit, um, and he doesn't give uh, point costs for this stuff, which is kind of fun because we can, uh, can try to appro- kind of approximate what we think it might cost. In this case... It's got two abilities that aren't all that great. I would probably try to use this as some kind of ram sub or, and or like a gold runner, I guess. But I don't think more than 10 to 12 points would be necessary for that. I am honestly not sure what you're supposed to do with this because based on the keyword, it says cannot be giving a surface action once submerged unless you roll 600 E6. I don't know what hmm. is meant by a surface action. Yeah, that's a good is, point. Is that move? Be, is that shoot, repair, explore? Yeah, maybe it would be everything because uh, it would all be surface. So maybe it can't move underwater. I don't know. It yeah, strikes me as maybe it's a maybe it's intended to be something like a secure but slow gold runner, and I don't think that it's all that much better than Coleotera at that role. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's usable, but it'd have to be really cheap because it's not that fast. And yeah. this ability would kind of hurt it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a conundrum. Yep. Although I do like the name and the flavor text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, next one is uh, El Cazador. So one of the more recent things he's started is a, uh, a custom set based around the Battle of Lepanto and uh, some of the events of the 1500s in the Mediterranean. So under his post, we've got um, some a Portuguese custom. Um, it's a ship, which on the Wikipedia page, the general name, I can't pronounce the, the original name, but Botafogo is the galleon name. And uh, this is a Portuguese four-masted custom, so a new historical uh, faction, which is actually something I've been somewhat interested in, but I've already got the Dutch and... So far, I've pretty much planned on just integrating any Portuguese customs into the Spanish, um, but we'll see if that changes going forward for my own customs. But this is a Portuguese Warmaster. Uh, it's 14 points, 4 cargo, L move. Uh, the cannons are 2S, 2L, 2L, 2S, and this ship gets plus 1 to her ram rolls. So it's a pretty good gunship. I looked at it earlier today. Um, just got some pure firepower and a good ability. And there's actually a link. Um, which you could go over. I actually haven't found it in the thread yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I've run across the, uh, <laughs> the Portuguese, but... Yeah, it's towards the it was... bottom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Infante Luis is the linked crew, and it's a Portuguese Captain World Hater for seven points. They get Captain, and then plus the ship gets plus one to her cannon rolls against non-Portuguese ship's crew and forts. So basic Captain World Hater for seven. So that's a good... A very good linked crew, though, for this ship. Cause she's already she's already definitely a gunship. So you put this crew aboard along with a helmsman and maybe an oarsman, and you've got a very very capable gunship here with a little bit of cargo open. So I'd say it's a good combo, definitely. And, yeah, I, I think uh, Infante is he is sort of like the Captain World Hater crew from Mysterious Islands, but he does have a unique spin on him because he gets the bonus against crew and forts as well which is not something you really see past uh, Barbary Coast I think and the ship that I don't know how to pronounce I'm going to say Sao Joao Baptista yeah <laughs> it, it's it's sort of SE box chip but again it gets an ability we never saw in the game for some reason <laughs> I, I think probably a little bit bland but at the same time, it does it does take the ship in a direction that WizKids never went, and I am glad that it does have an ability with some imagination to it instead of something dull like a reroll. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good point. Hmm. All right. Um, so onto the next page, I actually have found one from from your customs that I'll take a look at here, and right. we can do the links if you want to, but. I see a new version of Bianco's Haulers for the Spanish. This is an uncommon crew from Gone Basin, and it's six points, and it says this ship gets plus one to her boarding rolls, along with the secret hold keyword, and a link to Master Bianco and Esplendor del Mundo. So mm-hmm. this one strikes me as pretty decent. Um, it would be perfect on a, on a Treasure Raider, maybe even La Joya del Sol, although, wow, well, she's already got plus one to boarding rolls, but... Maybe a hybrid mm-hmm. like La Santa Isabel or even San Cristobal could do pretty well with this in like a hybrid setup. Um, 
Usually I value secret hold at three and plus one boarding rolls at uh, two, so I wouldn't mind seeing it come down and cost to five. I think that would be all right. But other than that, I think it's a, a good custom, and I like how you're continuing with the lore. I like That's a good thing to see. Yeah, there's enough going on that I don't think we need to make up a full roster of new characters, especially when there's still, say, a story to tell. But precisely where the canon was going is kind of hard to predict because we don't know. Well, I guess we do know the flavor text of some of the stuff from Return to Savage Shores. But, um, but yeah, I thought these, it was really strange how Bianco and his haulers only appeared at the game's start and end from yeah. in Spanish main and then in Savage Shores. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really neat, uh, way to see it. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. Right, is there anything else from this thread we should go through? Yeah, I was going to take a look at uh, one from Vixenish Coder 66. Um, he's got the lighthouses that he made. Um, I'm going to I'm going to try one from uh, from the curse, um, false hope. So Vixenish Coder 66 basically has a bunch of lighthouses, and might not read the whole keyword, but basically they're very similar to forts in how they're built and constructed. Um, you have to pay gold for them. They're usually only you know, one to four gold, and uh, basically there's the light measures LL from the base of the lighthouse tower, and the light emitted from the lighthouse follows the rules for trade currents. So it gives you a plus S move on the friendly ships within LL of the lighthouse, and a single hit is required to eliminate the lighthouse flag, and then once it loses the flag, it can't use abilities, and then an additional hit will destroy the lighthouse. So... That's the general gist of it, and under the Cursed, I see one called the False Hope. So this is a Cursed Lighthouse, two gold required to build it, Um, one mass, one cargo, just like the other lighthouses. The Lighthouse keyword, along with Treacherous Winds, which is another keyword, and that one, Lighthouse, says, when an enemy ship is within the range of this lighthouse, roll a d6. On a 5 or 6, the player may move the enemy ship in L in any direction. Four, the enemy ship may not be given a move action the following turn, and one to three, there's no effect. So that's an interesting one, because the way I see the ability of Treacherous Winds, um, it seems pretty beneficial to an opponent in a way. Um, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be the player controlling the lighthouse moves the ship L. I would assume that's how it works, but... and then not be given an action the following turn, that seems like the most negative ability, so I wouldn't mind if the rolls were a little different, maybe one to two for the negative effect and then five to six for the positive, but other than that, I think it's an interesting concept to play with, and it makes sense given the curse, like, supernatural spin. I think it's probably intended to be the lighthouse's keeper is meant to move the other player's ship, but... In this case, I think it's not worded correctly, and it seems to imply that whoever comes within range can do it. Yeah, exactly. That's what it seems yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, so the wording um, could use a little edit. So. Yeah. But as, as far as a unit goes, I think it's an interesting one. I've sort of always been a fan of this idea of adding lighthouses, but I think there is some over... This kind of an excessive addition of keywords. Like, why not just write these abilities with the lighthouses? 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that because some of the keywords only apply to one lighthouse. Um, yeah. If they apply to a lot of them, like the lighthouse keyword, that makes sense. But yeah, if it's if it's kind of like a one of one ability, maybe he didn't intend it to be that way. Maybe he'll make more. But yeah, if it's going to only be on, you know, between one and three or one and five game pieces, might as well kind of list it on the card, especially if it was real. So um, the flavor text I'll peek at real quick. Uh, men have seen the women who is the keeper of this tower. It is said the whispers of her victims can be heard in the winds which obey her every command. That kind of kind of makes me think about Tabitha McWarren or maybe uh, the screaming movie, some of the cursed uh, female crew, actually. I don't know if there's any connection there, but it kind of, the flavor text reminds me of that anyway. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then finally, the last... Custom from this thread we'll go over tonight from J.W. Darkhurst, who is a younger brother of Xerix. Uh, under the English for Pirates of the Dark Tides, they have a flotilla called Aincrad, and it's a nine-point flotilla, and the, the guns are 4L3S, 4L3S, and it's got the flotilla keyword and extended range, of course, so all those ranges of du- are doubled of those guns, and each time the ship hits an enemy ship, eliminate a crew from that ship. So, for nine points, this seems kind of overpriced compared to Armada, because that one's got a little bit better cannon ranks. Those are all three SS, and that one eliminates cargo with every hit. So, Incrad seems kind of like a poor man's version of Armada, and as a result, I could see possibly going down to eight points, maybe. Yeah, I don't think the uh, four LL guns are as good as we kind of hope they are. Uh, my experience is that anything with a rank four gun is rarely going to hit. So I don't think I would ever use this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Especially uh, compared uh, to the other English flotillas, which are Gibraltar and Tower are both excellent. So. Yeah, those are both kind of top of their class. This, I think, should be no more expensive than I think you said it was Armada mm-hmm. and not Diablo. Um, yeah. At best, it should be no more expensive. At worst, it could be cheaper, maybe. Yeah. I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying it maybe could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that sums up. yeah, no, that sums it up pretty much. A lot of creators nowadays, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Into, I believe it was your historic set. Yeah, the fantasy one, Epic Seas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me... Oh, wait. Do I have that one up already? Yeah, I can read all. I can start it if you want. Um, we're going to go over, like, four or five pieces, maybe. Um, so we're still on the Cursed faction. And for the rares, I think we left off on the Grand Apocalypse, which is a Cursed six-masted junk. It's 25 points, uh, three cargo, L move. All six cannons are 4L. And along with the junk keyword, it says... This ship gets two shots per mast, just like long ships keyword. And curse ships within S of the ship get plus one to their cannon rolls. So kind of like a faction-specific spin on the cheerleader ability. So this is one that I kind of... This is just another one of those big cursed flagships. And uh, the flavor text is short, so I'll just peek at it. A captured Jade Rebellion flagship, now under the command of the quote-unquote Antichrist. This giant ship is even more dangerous than before. So it's another captured jade ship turned uh, to evil here. They've really equipped it well. So it's inaccurate, but you could get up to 12 shots per shoot action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like this one. It 
reminds me of it reminds me well obviously of long shifts but it also makes me think of the 10 mass adjuncts because it's in that price neighborhood and in that firepower neighborhood but it's got considerable weaknesses and that it's not as durable as they are it's gun ranks are pretty bad uh it doesn't have a lot of cargo and has a slow base move so this is one where you're kind of pigeonholed into using certain crew on it but it would still be kind of a bear to fight no matter what no matter how it's set up yeah i do like it although nice uh, although I do wonder if somebody could abuse it by putting Davy Jones aboard and starting to copy crazy abilities. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking it would also be one of the rare ships, a good place to put the DJC version of Phantasma. The world eater for nine, but in this case, that would actually probably be worth it. Um, yeah. Although you'd have to kind of manipulate the cargo. The cargo is definitely a, a problem here. So, but I figured. With two extremely powerful abilities, I mean, the, the cheerleader isn't great, but if this is part of a cursed battle squadron in a large game, which is kind of the intent, um, it could become even better, because then it's going to have support around it that it's giving uh, World Heater cannon bonuses to, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, you know, Grand Apocalypse, so it's the idea is it's a giant flagship uh, to lead a big cursed fleet uh, to the apocalypse, basically, so. <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Let's see. Age of the Fiend is up next. Would you like me to read this one? Yeah. Yep. All right. This is another six master. This one's 21 points instead of 25. It has five cargo. It'll move to two S guns up front, two 4L in the middle, and two 3L out back. Of course, it's a six master junk. Its keywords are that plus fear. And when the ship hits an enemy ship, you may also eliminate one crew from that ship. Hmm. I do like the mix of armament because I don't think 4L guns are utilized quite enough. I do wonder, though, if this is quite worthwhile because I feel like that's redundant cargo space on this. Uh, I sort of feel that way about really big capital ships. It seems kind of pointless to have so much cargo Uh because you're not going to run anything with it. Yeah. And... I mean, if you're going to put a sack crew aboard, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that, actually. Yeah, yeah, it could become redundant. I'm thinking, like, Captain Helmsman, at least one named crew, um, like some version of Phantasma or something from this set. Um, and then you could throw aboard, like, a Firepaw Specialist with, to use with the 2S cannon. So you'd probably utilize at least three of the five cargo either way. I can see your point, though, definitely, because um, there are certain ships like the San Cristobal, where you want the cargo to be a hybrid, but this is probably not going to probably not gonna run gold very much. So, yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go on to the next one, which is, I think I hinted at this one in a previous episode as, like, one of the absolutely crazy ones. So, what is this? This is going to be crazy. What is All right. this? So, next one, the next one is the first uncommon um, of the set, number seven. It's a cursed switchblade. Uh, the name is Harvester, and it's 28 points, um, four masts, six cargo, L move. The cannons are 3L, 2S, 2S, 3L. There's a link to the Fiend Slave, which I'll go over in a second. And the abilities are Switchblade. And if this ship wins a boarding party, she may capture all of the other ship's cargo. 
Any captured crew are assigned to the ship, don't take up cargo space, don't count against the point limit of the ship, and cannot use their abilities. Any captured gold and equipment does take up cargo space. If there's not enough cargo space available for the captured cargo, the controller of this ship may choose what to take. Any cargo left over is left on the enemy ship, so it's not uh, eliminated. And then I'll go to the linked crew, which is Fiend Slave, which is a rare cursed crew, eight points. And once per turn, you will, may eliminate one of this ship's cargo to give her an extra action. So instead of eliminating crew for like two or three points to get an extra action, you can eliminate any type of cargo to get an extra action, but for a whopping eight points. So the total combo would be 36 points, and that's before adding uh, a captain and helmsman. So I realize it's a really extreme game piece, but I do like to err on the side of overpricing things at first and then bringing them down later after playtesting, um, just so you avoid the classic, you know, overpowered situations as much as possible and uh, you don't have opponents whining about how you, you won the game because of an overpowered custom game piece. But that being said, I hope this isn't overpowered even at this extreme cost. I am honestly not sure because it's so extreme. It, it's a it's a sack factory. Yeah. It, you're always going to have extra actions, um, which I think the price is probably not unfair, but considering its capabilities. I'm not sure it can be fair. <laughs> I mean, it's also 28 points for a four-masted ship. Yeah. And, of course, I like my ram subs, and I could sync this with USS Lehman for less than 20 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not, no, that comes in at... Mm, no, I think that comes in at, like, 22 or something. But, yeah, yeah this, this seems like too much for a ship that is only four masts. Yeah, that makes sense. But the price does correspond with its ideal ability or with uh, with its ideal capabilities. Yeah. I think it should be nerfed to plain sack and the price should come down a few points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I just wanted to make like an extreme like novelty type thing. I totally hear where you're uh, coming from in terms of like a four master being 28 because then it just makes it really extreme and then if you do sync it with crew aboard um, you're losing a ton of points really quickly so it's risky um, but if you can pull it off it's going to be it's I can see this kind of as being a ship that could go on like a devastating run that like goes on like a streak of like intense victories that like really changes like a, a big game or you know ideally you'd be using this in a larger game so but then the downfall would be equally, you know, grand. So it's kind of kind of a crazy, wacky piece, but I still like the, the ideas behind it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for the feedback, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess I want to do Buzzing Horror next. I don't know how many more of these we're going to do in this set. Yeah, just this one. Uh, it's fine. The link. Okay. Buzzing Horror. I, I do like this because this looks like we're getting a little bit I mean, I don't mind the fantasy stuff as much as you sometimes uh, seem to, but uh, but this one doesn't seem too far out there. Buzzing Horror is 20 points, 4-masted switchblade, 3 cargo, SS move, guns are 4S, 3L, 3L, 4S, switchblade. If the ship succeeds at a ram roll when using its blades, you may also eliminate one cargo from the enemy ship. 
I like that. The lead crew is Technical Fiends, which I am trying to... Oh, yeah, I'll try to see the number here. It's a common uh, number 67 down towards the bottom, the cursed crew. Yeah, I'm trying to get to... Okay, there we go. Wait, no, this thing's being really strange. Yeah, I can read it. Technical Fiends, wait, no... Helmsman equipment doesn't take up cargo space on the ship. That's pretty neat. Um, so it seems like you're intending it to be a way of carrying around equipment, but most equipment, like uh, fire shot or what have you, is so it's. I guess you could almost say it's like having the ability that you can put uh, specialists on a ship and that they're automatically linked. Um, yeah, this one's really strange. I'm not yeah, entirely weird... sure which direction it's going in. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird conglomerate where you would try to, I guess, use the fiends, of course, and then you would definitely want to have a captain. And then from there, you could either try to keep it reasonably cheap at, you know, that I guess, that would already be 27, though. So you might as well add, you know, fire shot, stink pot shot, grape shot especially because they're only one point each. It kind of expands the cargo, but only in like an equipment niche role, essentially. So, and the inspiration is the technical fiends who are, um, you know, experts with, with what they're doing. So they can handle equipment well. And, uh, and they know what they're doing in terms of operating the switchblades themselves. So it's kind of, I know, I understand the speed makes no sense, but it, the idea is almost like a like a sawing, like a chainsaw type effect with the switchblades. So, and that's why it takes out the cargo. It sort of reminds me of my uh, my custom switchblade USS Sawmill or whatever yeah. that was called. That's a good point. It's like that, but I mean, if. So the ability is good, and it's good that it's a switchblade, and technical things are, it's an interesting crew, but on a base statistical level, I think it's too expensive, because if you pull off the uh, the switchblade keyword and that ability and all that, you're left with a ship that doesn't really have very good armament, uh, not a lot of cargo space, and it's still really expensive. And I don't yeah. think the abilities quite justify it, because I don't think they actually add all that much to the ship's capabilities. Yeah. You think it would be worth 20 points if I knocked the cannons to all rank 3 or even made the S-range cannons 2S? Or, I mean, let's see, a 4L, uh, 4Ls on the end, I sort of like. Yeah. And maybe at 17 or 18 points. Okay. I'm, so, yeah. I'm not feeling super sharp today, but... Yeah, no, that this, sounds like an interesting change. I might do that. Yeah, I think 4Ls were sort of underutilized as a middle ground between um, barely usable 3Ss and totally unusable 4Ss. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. I think I I agree. Um, I've actually had reasonable luck with rank 4 cannons, especially 4L, as compared to 3S. 3S I seem to be cursed with. uh, No, no, (laughs) with the cursed here. I'm actually changing that right now. Yeah, I'll try it, it like that. So, thanks. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And was it? Were we doing the Age of Sail this time, or were no. we? No, we're gonna go to Zarek's Fiends of the Blood Islands. Right. Try to get that on the screen here. 
and we were doing the American faction, correct? Yep. All right. I will kick that off because we've got the USS Colossus, which is a 22.5 master. All the guns are 2S, 4 cargo, L-move, broadsides attack once per turn, roll a D6, extra action. Hmm. Uh, this is a really weird one because it's, it's sort of half HMS Titan. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is weird. It's like HMS Titan and Enterprise, uh, but you take the weak attributes of both, and then you also give it broadsides attack. I think it's trying a little bit too hard to be uh, a dreadnought, and all 2S guns is fitting a broadsides attack, but this is a case where it's statistically good, and it has two abilities that are kind of expensive and I don't think this really quite compares to what else you could get at 22 points. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Stuff like, yeah, it's kind of like kind of like a downgrade from the Titan because the broadside attack keyword is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually used this one. It performed pretty well for the Americans in Vassal Campaign Game 3. Granted, they have a had a massive fleet in that game um, so it's not indicative of uh, performance in reasonably sized games, but it is a good, a very good ship. It's just kind of, you kind of need a ton of points to, to utilize it effectively. And even at 2S, broadsides attack, I don't really like to risk my cannons on, on a ship this large, maybe if there was only one or two guns left, but as is, it's kind of like a downgrade of the Titan where it's using points on broadsides attack that would be better off saved, essentially. So... Yeah, but not every ship needs to be as good as the Titan, so still pretty yeah. good ship, but, uh, but yeah, the, yeah, the Enterprise is similar. I'm thinking, yeah, the Enterprise is four points cheaper. Uh, do you get more cargo on that ship? I don't remember. Yeah, it's five, yep. Yeah, so it's four points cheaper, you get more cargo, and you get to throw away broadsides attack. Yeah. Oh, and you move faster, because that has SS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah USS Colossus, I think, is just a little overwrought. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's more... Almost more similar to the dreadnought than the uh, the you know the super gunships Titan and Enterprise, which are especially the Titan kind of honestly worthy as hybrid potential in a smaller game. But anyway, so yeah, mm-hmm. another, another dreadnought type ship to say the least. All right, so the Justice is the next ship. This is a four master for the Americans, 18 points. All four cannons are only 4s, three cargo, L movement, and it's got battleship keyword which says a ship with this keyword has two shots per mast and has extended range. Um, and then it's also got plus one for cannon rolls against any non-American ship, so world leader. So the cannons are basically not 4S. They're basically 3SS with two shots per mast. So it's a big, you know, U-turn in a way. It looks bad at first, and then when you put on the abilities, it becomes a really good gunship. Um Unlike some of the other battleships, I think this kind of maybe could work at 18. Um, it's going to be pretty powerful. but I'm not sure, honestly, because yeah. I thought this was better than the others, but you're still sitting there with eight 3SS guns at 18 points. It doesn't matter if the base stats aren't that good. Mm-hmm. That's really overwhelming firepower. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot. I don't know, yeah. and sometimes... I know you've said before the world hater on uh, 
on a, a ship ability kind of is a little bit funky. And in, in this case, it kind of adds to this, like, level of illusion almost. It's kind of kind of weird. I don't know, it's kind of a weird effect between the when you first see the cannons and then you stack up the abilities and it's like a completely, completely different ship. It's kind of a, almost like a strained U-turn or like an illusion, like I said. So, I don't know. I'm not really sure what to think of this one. Battleship in general is just kind of overpowered, I guess, as a concept. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't mind it having extended range. Um, but what I think should happen is this ship should be 15 points. It shouldn't have two shots per mast, but it can keep the extended range and everything else. That way, it's at least got the niche of being of having exceptional range, even if its accuracy isn't that great. Yeah. yeah. And then at 15 points, it might even be reasonably competitive. Maybe 14 even. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, the next ship is Freedom's Banner, fourteen point four master, four L three S three S four L five cargo SS move, armed merchant. That sort of that sort of ability that allows you to shoot at an enemy ship when they come within an S of you. I think it was, or maybe just cannon range. Uh, the link is to Captain Tyler Robinson, who is eleven points. Quite shockingly, that's that's a lot. And his abilities are Hostile England, Pirate Spain. As part of a move action, this ship may initiate a boarding party. Uh, okay, okay. This is... Okay, so this is a combined hmm. S-border and double roller, yeah. as in uh, one of those crew that allows you to roll 2d6 and then make your choice sort of like uh i guess you could consider those a reusable re-roller yeah so i guess the idea is that it's supposed to be a gold runner with a lot of self-defense yeah but you're spending 25 points uh let's say 27 because you're gonna put a helmsman on it mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah it's, it's 27 points sure it can defend itself well but even better, you could get yourself Carolina and uh, a uh, cargo master and helmsman, and then you've got a ship that's just as fast, and you can spend the rest of your points on an escort. Yeah, it just doesn't seem cost effective. I'm not against the the play style, but it's again, it's sort of overdone. Yeah, no, I actually agree, even more so than with the Colossus, I think this is kind of, kind of out there. Um, I think the Freedom's Banner could maybe afford to be 13 or 12. Well, probably not 12 with Armed Merchant, maybe 13 points. Um, Tyler Robinson is just kind of weird because you can't fit him, a captain and a helmsman aboard. Um, it's almost, it's almost like the ship wants to be a hybrid with this link, but then it kind of falls apart in terms of the costing. Um, because the crew costs almost as much as the ship, so it gets kind of ugly in a hurry. Um, escorting and the double reroll, or the the you know the choose which D six result you want um, on two rolls. Neither of those abilities are very cost effective either. Those are both mm-hmm. overpriced in general. So putting them on the same crew makes it even more kind of ridiculous. I think I would maybe just use the the Freedom's Banner without the link. Um, I think Robinson is a mess either way. I understand you wouldn't want to in- decrease the cost too much just because 
with kids right fast forward at five usually and the the other ability at eight, which is definitely too high. I think Robinson though, I think just to make him reasonably useful or arguably useful, I think he could come down to eight or nine. Um or I agree nine, with nine. you. Yeah. And the freedom banner though, just to yeah, just to finish my thought real quick, I would use her mm-hmm. with a captain and helmsman and no no linked crew. I would just make her a, a basic hybrid. I wouldn't really bother with spending eleven on Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else I'd like to say is I don't think of Tyler as a name that would have existed during this game's uh, historical period. Huh. Yeah. Like everybody you know named Tyler. I mean, who is the first person named Tyler? I bet they were born in 1980. Yeah, let me. Uh, I'll look that up if I have. To. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a really strange thing to bring up during the customs thing. Complaining about the first name of a, of a custom crew. <laughs> yeah. I bet it's named after one of uh, one of the creator's friends or something yeah. like that, or yeah. somebody from their play group. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, I'll do. I'll start the next one, which is Swift Victory. This is a 22.4 master. Um, all four cannons are 3S. It's got three cargo, SS move, and the abilities are clipper ship, which is a keyword that uh, says this ship's movement is measured from bow to stern. So when you pick it up, you go, you kind of leapfrog. So from you, you end up with the stern being where the bow normally would be on other ships. Um, kind of tough to have to think about it without the visual, but anyway. Um, and then also, this ship gets plus L to her base move if she is all of her mast. So, it's wicked fast without any crew. It would be going SSL with all masts, and then, of course, it'd be, you know, a bunch faster than that with the uh, with the clipper ship keyword. So, it's blinding speed, and beyond that, I would probably just do Captain Helmsman and preferably a world hater like Brent Rice. And then you'd have two S cannons, and you would get the first shot almost every time. Well, yeah, I mean, this would go, without extra actions, this has a faster overall speed output than San Cristobal due to the clipper ship keyword, how that works. It would be SSLS with all masts and a helmsman. Um, and you definitely need the first shot, because once you lose a mast, uh, you're going to be slowing down a bunch. I think this is way too much um, because the length of this ship is going to be at least S. So its base move is basically S. It's basically four S base move, and then you get another LS if you have all your masts. So this thing is already game breakingly fast, um, and you could make her a gold runner if you wanted, and the game uh, almost instantly. This, it's just too much. Yeah, I think I, it, I think I agree with you. It kind of pushes the boundaries of like the age of sail. Like this feels like a like a PT boat. You know what I mean? Like the speed. Yeah. I don't know. Like a sailing ship shouldn't technically go this fast. Like I know there's you know all sorts of problems with the game and extra actions kind of mess things up a bit. And the high pang is OP um, with the right crew, but this just makes it just takes that idea and makes it even more extreme, which is something the game doesn't need. So yeah, and uh, something else I'd like to point out is this gets an absurd bonus from having a helmsman because yeah. because it can move what amounts to at least S plus S on that. So if you put a helmsman on this, you're moving s- well, basically seven S plus L. <laughs> Yeah. It's this is too much. Um, 
Yeah, it kind of. If, I feel like it breaks the not the fourth wall or whatever, but it just breaks your idea of like the thematics of the game for me. Like, I kind of rant on the historical stuff too much, but uh, but like you'd be across the whole board in a regular game with one move action. So that's kind of it. Just feels mm-hmm. cheap and lame and kind of kind of weird. And never mind realism. It. <laughs> I think it's just in the context of the game. It's just too good mm-hmm. um you can play with the cost i would say reduce the base move to s yeah. and at most give it um at most give it plus s if it has all of its masts yeah yeah that makes sense and i like that even, because even then you may still be at like 4s base move and uh yeah, I, I like your idea there, though, with um, decreasing the base move, because in Clipper ships, they weren't really, in his, historically, Clipper ships weren't supposed to fight, so decreasing the cannon ranks makes sense, and also, um, I think limiting it to plus S when she has all of her mass makes sense as well. So, yeah. yeah, she needs to be, even if you cut her way down, she's still absurdly fast. Um Actually, I'd say you can keep her at her cost, uh, make her base move S and her bonus S, and even then, there's still a great argument to use her. Mm -hmm. You can have a cargo master in your fleet, and from there, a helmsman is optional because you've either got a ship that's really fast or a ship that's really, really fast. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, even if you absolutely destroy this ship's capabilities she's still worth her cost yeah. um uss spirit is next 19 points four masts four l guns on the ends four s in the center five cargo ss move another clipper ship so we're gonna have stuff to say about that one of the ship's treasures is worth plus two gold when she docks at your home island we've sort of already talked about these capabilities i would say this may be this might be fair at L base move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. I worry about it because the yeah plus two gold ability is wicked good. Yeah, I'd say L base move because then you're getting L plus S out of it already, and then when you throw a helmsman on board, and you will because it has five cargo, and you won't suffer at all from throwing one on. You'll be moving uh, at least three S plus L. With that ability, and that's that's really tough to catch, and it's it'll be tough to catch. It'll be tough to kill because it's durable. Um, the saving grace is that it is vulnerable, or uh, or no, not vulnerable. That it is really expensive. Yeah. And if there's one thing that WizKids really got wrong, was that spending more on a gold runner didn't really serve as a good return on your investment. Yeah, diminishing returns, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can get Banshee's Cry for three, and then you can get Lubalul with a Helmsman and Explorer for 12, and it's not that much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Lubalul is still really good. Um, yeah, the spirit strikes me as kind of overpowered. Uh, the concept seems too good. Um but yeah, it I don't think it would need too much editing to make it reasonable. So, 
Uh, the next one is the Sea Strider. This is a 15-point American 3-master. Cannons are 4L, 4S, 4L, 4 cargo, SS move, and once again, one of the ship's treasures is worth plus 2 gold when she docks your own island. Um, this one seems uh, seems alright. Um, the plus 2 gold ability, I'm kind of a little bit tired of seeing in general on customs. Um, I wouldn't mind if it was just changed to plus 1. In that case, you could really nix the cost to like 10 or so. Um, this one seems kind of too pricey, but given how good plus 2 gold is, um, I don't know. I wouldn't really want to use it, but it's just not not my kind of custom in general, I guess. I agree with you. This is this is um, nerf it and make it 10 points. Mm-hmm. It's too expensive and also sort of too good where it is right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not particularly imaginative either because that ability appears elsewhere on this exact page of this custom spreadsheet. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I feel like there's like attempts here that we're seeing to try to make the Americans better at running gold, but that was never their strength in the game. And it's, yeah. it's kind of, the attempt is uh, going like to an extreme by making like super ships that are like wicked expensive. So it's kind of Yeah. I don't fault him, but I think the sort of theme of the Americans was big, expensive hybrid ships that are good at everything, but they're also pretty pricey. Yeah, and guns, yeah. especially. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next ship up is Cherokee Rose, 12 points, two masts, both 3S, three cargo, L-move, schooner, and then Home Island Raider. Mm. This is... Are we sure this isn't from Fire and Steel? Because this is really bad. <laughs> exactly what I was... Yeah, pretty much what I was thinking. I, I could swear... Isn't there a ship out there that is two points... I want to say there's a 10-point two-masted schooner that has home island rating, better guns, more cargo, and a faster move. Yeah, it might be. Is it yeah. Panda? No, that one kills cargo. I, I don't know. Yeah. Lady Provost this, is better, but more expensive. I don't know. But not by much, only by two points. This ship is... This is a six-point ship, I would say. I was going to say eight, but I can see where you're coming from. I think Because it's slow. Yeah, (laughs) and you're not going to... The cargo is not enough to really capitalize on any hybrid potential. Um, Yeah, this just strikes me as like kind of continuing where WizKids left off with the nixing of schooners. So I talked about this, I think, either in a YouTube video or on a thread recently, where the Americans had a ton of, or maybe it was a podcast, I don't know. Yeah, actually, it was probably with Rise of the Fiends, because the fly is just a four-man's version of the peacock, um, and that's not even the best example. The best example is, you know, the Royal James, Raven, and two-masted, three-masted schooners like that, and the Jarvis turning into the Gold Eagle and other junky schooners that are really slow from uh, from the later sets. Unless there's some kind of flavor implication, I don't really think the schooner ship type should have base moves under S plus S. It just seems kind of counterintuitive and weird. I think they I think WizKids had it right in Crimson Coast and Revolution where they were kind of it was kind of a fast ship type in general and also maneuverable. I think they should have kept with that. The reverse power creep hit schooners really hard. And unfortunately this continues that. So I think this could be I think it would be a really interesting ship at eight points with three or four cargo and SS move. I think that would be a good way to fix this. But anyway, 
as is, is yeah. pretty much unusable. So. Yeah, and there's honestly enough that's similar to this in Crimson Coast. Honestly, I swear there's a ship that does everything the ship does better for cheaper that's already in there. Yep. Um, yeah, this one's like, meh. Yeah. All right. Just too uh, expensive. Yeah, so we went over Captain Tyler Robinson. The next crew is Admiral Nathan Rivers, who is a 10-point American crew with a link to all American ships. And it says his abilities are loyal, and once per turn, roll a d6 on a 5 or 6. The ship may be given an extra action, and once per turn, cancel the ability of one crew or ship with an S of this ship. So basically, EA plus canceller for 10. So technically the right costs um, with a nice link to all American ships. So this is pretty much an awesome, like, super powerful named crew, perfect for big gunships in campaign games. Um, the Constitution could use him well, along with uh, some of their other big big gunships. So, I really think good. he's worth at least 11 points. Yeah, really good, but kind of too good. The abilities are just so amazing. Yeah, it's a pair of top-tier abilities um, at cost. It links to all American ships, which I think is also worth something. It's, yeah, this is a Dreadnought crew, and you don't really pay Dreadnought prices for him. I think he's too cheap. And I say that as somebody who likes the American faction. I think this is a little too good. I'd I'd say at least 11 points. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have any more to say about this one? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm, I don't like, I don't know. I think it's okay at 10. I understand, um, wanting to go higher. I think with the link, it could be 11. I think the biggest problem is with kids should have done canceler at like seven or eight. Um, mm-hmm. and once again, the abilities costings are funky. So that kind of carries over into customs, which is unfortunate. Um, so it's kind of, you know what, that kind of brings up a point, so I do have more to say. It's kind of a lose-lose game, because either you go with WizKids cost, and, you know, people like us might complain about that, because it's like, ah, well, they should have costed it at this. Then if you change it, then people might say, oh, shouldn't this be more expensive, um, and stuff like that. So it's kind of a lose-lose game, unfortunately, sometimes with ability cost and custom. I might be down with this one if... If the link to all American ships was taken away at 10 points, huh. it just seems to be too good at too many things. Um, I mean, I'd like to also point out he would make a pretty good defensive crew as well. Put yeah. him on a gold runner as is. He takes up no space. So put Wayne Nolan on the ship and you have an almost untouchable gold runner. Yeah, the frontier would be pricey enough. Hold him. Yeah, it would. And at that rate, I mean, you could, uh, I almost want to say you could fit him, Cargo Master, yeah, yeah, him, Cargo Master, Helmsman, and Wayne Nolan, and you'd have a ship moving 3S, you'd have 55% chance of an extra action, and even if you came within reach, you'd be cancelled. So, yeah. And you'd have eight cargo space open there. So, I mean, that's expensive, but it would be almost untouchable in a 40-point game. Yeah, I think we've run out of things to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, I got one more left, so. Yep, Fort Crusoe. 
Wait, is this an? I think it's your. Yeah, it's your turn. That's why I was waiting. Yeah, is this okay? So it says Fort Crusoe. It comes up with points. I think that must mean yeah, uh, gold in this case. Yeah. And it has three two S guns, and its ability is. It's a fourth, that is. Each time a friendly ship sinks, the crew with the highest point cost assigned to that ship is not eliminated. Instead, they're placed inside this fort. That sort of reminds me of, uh, it's not Dead Man's Point, is it? It's, uh, um... Devil's Maw. Is Devil's Maw. Yeah. It's, it's an American Devil's Maw that's more expensive and not as durable. Um, I guess I kind of like it might be useful in really big games but in small games uh not really yeah yeah exactly the problem is it's too good in big games because there's no cap on it um this would be ridiculously overpowered in a campaign game because friendly ships would think all the time and then you get to save a high point crew so you'd have a bunch of you know you basically wouldn't have to pay for the captain and then on and that's just the beginning of it. Imagine him at you imagine Admiral Nathan Rivers coming back every time he sunk, you know? Um so I think this this kind of goes with the same problem I've seen with other things like Cargo Master and Navigator. And once again, I'm a fan, I'm a big fan of putting a cap or a limit on things to limit how overpowered they are. So not the limit keyword, definitely not. I mean, you know, the first three crew um that sink or whatever. So I think that would be a much more interesting way of doing it instead of just having this unlimited, like, let's all come back from the dead to hunt everybody and make the Americans OP in campaign games. You know, that that's what's uh, the problem here, I think. But I agree with you in 40-point games or whatever, this is, it's not really even all that an, an attractive option and you're not going to spend the gold on it. It's kind of like... You'd only use it in campaign games, and that's exactly where it becomes problematic. So that's, I think it, it's kind of a, a very difficult game piece. So I think, I think, I think a cap on the number of like three or five, the first three or five high point crew or whatever, or even do, maybe you could base it on point costs. So if, uh, if the ship had a crew that cost at least six, is is sunk then that crew comes back but you know you can't get every high cost crew um from every sunken ship maybe they have to be this many points to come back or whatever yeah yeah maybe start with four that way you can't recover generic crew yeah Mm -hmm. yeah even that would help yeah yeah or maybe maybe six so you can't get cargo masters back um after the customs thing, because that's the expiry of the Americans in the Fiends of the Blood Island set, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up the worst ships, uh, uh, worst ships threat. Sorry, there. We don't normally do a, a lot of swearing on the podcast, but I'm, ha- uh, yeah, I'm kind of tired. Um, <laughs> that was not intentional. Uh, the worst ships threat. That's with a P, not a T. Is something I started, I want to say, last week. I ended up getting a haul of kind of a bunch of broken ship parts, and I just decided, let's uh, let's build some really terrible ships to to see if I can elicit a reaction from some people in miniature trading. Some of them are kind of out there. Some of them are tame. Um, I've seen some really interesting stuff posted so far, including the extended Divine Wind, which I... 
Yeah, the extended divine wind I really like. There's some stuff in there that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Most of what I've posted, though, has been kind of awful, and uh, as it's supposed to be, including the sort of upside-down Queen of Cups. Yeah. Um, I do have more coming that's really dumb. <laughs> um, I wanted to know if what your thoughts were on it and whether or not you could see yourself contributing more to the thread. I almost sort of want to see it turn into a one-up contest of... Oh, I coming up with the worst things we can. Okay. Yeah, I see what you what you're going with. Um, I will say just, and I've got it on the video form of the podcast. I like your your dragon shark thing. I think that one is one of the best ones, actually. I think that could almost work um, if you threw if you cut out a little a couple extra slots and made the made it more of a shark serpent, like have serpent parts in between the empty spaces there, I think it would look even better. Um, I don't know if that, that should fly with how heavy it would be, but maybe if you had like... shark serpent. Yeah, maybe if you had another pair of wings and had four wings, then maybe you could give it the, the sea dragon oh. keyword. Um, or what about four pairs of wings? Um, <laughs> two on the head, one on that thing, and one at the very tail. Yeah. I would if I had enough wings to work with. Yeah. Um, um, I think that there, would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> there are more sea creatures okay. on the way. Nice. Uh, some of them are really ridiculous. Like, yeah. if you think that, if you think that's tame, or no, if you think that's outlandish, it's it's nothing compared to what's coming. Cool. Yeah, got no, some I think, really weird ones. <laughs> yeah, I brought that one up because I think it was one of the one of the more practical <laughs> ones, actually. Some of them are just kind of ugly and like random. I don't know. It's just kinda, yeah, like, it, a, that's the point. Yeah. A lot of them are supposed to be really bad. Yeah, um, the Nasolar one was just I don't know. That was that didn't do it for me. <laughs> uh, that was like I don't know. Where was that, was that was like the uh, second the or third one posted? I don't know. It was the one with the oars sticking up high in the air. Oh yeah, that that one was just weird. Yeah. Um, I had leftover parts. Um, I should combine ship and sea creature parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll, so Vaxry, that'll be really terrible. Yeah, I think Sylvaxry did that a while ago. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if the pictures will show up, but. If you look in the first, I don't know, around 10 pages of the original custom ships thread, pretty sure there's a link in the new one. Um, you can see some of his stuff, assuming if, if the pictures show. I don't know if they will photobug it, but anyway. Um, and your newest one with the Cristal del Obispo, that one actually does make a bit of sense, as uh, Derek said. So I think the thread yeah. has that potential. I can't say I'll be adding more. I don't know. I used up a bunch of... I actually... That post that I did in the original custom ship thread or whatever that was the result of like going through a bunch of stuff and actually i think Sylvactory was one that got me the a bag of of spare parts and uh those are the the best results of like a bunch of like trying stuff out and like maneuvering things and just trying different concepts so i kind of prefer stuff that could work or at least it's kind of like a fun concept to come up with like actual ships and abilities um, mm-hmm. But I think other people might enjoy the random, like bizarre stuff uh, more than me. So I think it still does have potential. But yeah, I think I agree with you for the most part. I think I prefer stuff that could feasibly be a real ship. 
But at the same time, I also like making really horrible stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I do a couple really dumb ones on the way um, that you could not actually play because they're just too silly. Um, and then I have another one that's just a sort of joke coming along that mm-hmm. it's not actually a um, it's not actually a custom horrible ship. It's just the horrible ship as it came from the pack. Um, I guess I'm spoiling that joke now, but, um, but yeah, this is a call to anybody out there, make really offensively terrible custom ships out of leftover pieces or whatever and post them because I do want other people to be involved in this. I want to see the messes other people can come up with. Yeah. Um, and speaking of Xerix, he's actually watching, he's been commenting on the YouTube live stream. Um, Xerix. So... So thanks for joining us. And uh, he says he was not directly involved in the design of the Cherokee Rose. So <laughs> I guess that was that's not his uh, his ship, actually. So yeah. Excellent. Good. Yeah, I, exactly. I sort of felt bad ripping into some of those, but mm-hmm. yeah. And then he asks, uh, suppose Rivers lost his link to all American ships. Would he still be worth 11 to you? Well, I, I think I said that I would swallow that pill if he lost if he lost his link, he could yeah. be 10. Okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Nice. I said that back uh, during that segment, but I might not have made that clear. Yeah, no, I think you did. He's saying maybe lose the link and go to 11, but I think 10 would be fine in that case. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then uh, he also says, uh, just wait till I post in that thread. So he's going to... Oh, please do. Getting in the, on the, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can either come out with a barrage of them, or you can do what I'm doing and post one a day so people like keep coming back to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I like to do with the customs so it doesn't overwhelm people uh, too much with too many customs at the same time. So, um, mm-hmm. Then into the final segments of the podcast, um, have you played it all recently or no? Probably been too busy. No, yeah, yeah. I've been really busy with working full-time yeah. at best i'll be able to start playing again in july mm-hmm. um i'm hoping i find time to play again but again this is uh this is not something i've got a lot of time for i haven't actually been all that active on miniature trading lately i'll sometimes come in and read stuff but i haven't been mm-hmm. posting much yeah yeah i played one game against el Cazador, uh, recently but it was kind of Oh, it was kind of weird, and then he conceded the game before it was over, so that's my only... So I haven't played much lately either. Um, I have been enjoying posting pictures of the day related to my Economy Edition campaign game in the in the video blogs, because that happened in uh, June 2015, so I've been doing the three-year anniversaries. So, you know, like I posted uh, a picture on the blog. Picture of the day is like, you know, tomorrow will be June 12th, 2018, so three years ago tomorrow... You know, there were certain events in Economy Edition, which is always fun to look back on, especially being passionate about campaign games. But yeah, not a lot of playing, uh, unfortunately, but maybe it's just one of those times of the year. So uh, the next little segment is Rules for Thought number 11. Just a quick little blurb about that. Somebody commented on YouTube and talked about how they have a house rule where point cost damage is based on, uh, or damage is based on point cost of ships. So if you have a ship with 20 point uh, cost, and it got hit, you know, two or three times, the cost would come down to, like, uh, 20, or sorry, to 18, 17, so you would actually subtract from the point cost. So, I think it has a really 
interesting potential, especially in terms of durability, because I don't really like how every hit eliminates a mast. So, and that's part of the reason I use uh, two hits per mast in campaign games some some of the time, and that's happening in uh, Vassal Campaign Game 4 and the Caribbean game, the two current Vassal Campaign games. And uh, so I think it has potential, but as Wolf said in the thread, uh, it's problematic because it would kind of it would really wreck a lot of the in-game abilities and how things work with combat. So I think it's an idea that's worth looking into more and maybe playtesting, but without changing other things as well, it's tough to just, you know, implement it and just forget about it. It's pretty involved. Yeah, um, it has problems, but at the same time, the, the limitations of WizKids' combat system, well, we kind of know how that goes it's pretty well established that it's more important to get the first shots in so it turns a lot of engagements into sort of kiting somebody else until you can be sure that you're going to start the fight with the advantage um and i don't imagine that's how naval warfare worked in real life necessarily or at least in the age of sail yes there's something to be said about sun tzu you know okay only fight when you have the advantage but uh, I don't think the way WizKids designed the combat system was reflective of how actual naval combat in the Age of Sail went. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of a sort of health point pool, but I'm not sure that tying it to points is quite appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Lord I mean, Denton, that Lord Denton mm-hmm. had the idea a while ago of doing like health versus mast health um but i don't know that would require a lot of you know working on as well yeah i mean i've i've played with the idea of say if this game were revived as um as a computer or a mobile game or what have you that every mechanic could be reworked to allow greater variation between ships and kind of finer uh, some more fine tuning, like gun ranges wouldn't be SNL. They'd be, you know, uh, sort of on a scale. Um, and you'd measure ship speed in knots as opposed to these sort of chunks of SNL, which only allow for really, it's like one, two, three, four, five base moves. Whereas you could have a lot more variation between ships, like, okay, this one moves 11 knots, and you could keep it. You could sort of keep the it moves this distance, like each knot would be a little space, but it would. Yeah, it's like this is uh, not a bad idea for a mechanic. I think the game's mechanics could be expanded upon if it were rebooted as a computer game. And this is definitely one I would give thought to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. as is, though, uh, playing within the realm of existing WizKids rules, as you pointed out, there are a lot of abilities that would work in really strange ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the next one is a rules interaction from back in 2011, the original rules thread, or, well, not the original, but uh, the old one that got to 143 pages on the forum. Um, somebody requested in the survey, like, rules interactions, especially, with, like, obscure ones. So... Um, and this kind of gets into the idea of counters in this case. Um, so somebody was talking about finding Roods of Odin. That's the 
the UT that lets you place an iceberg from outside the game, and then you uh, any ship that comes into contact is removed from the game. And uh, one way to counter that is Jailhouse Dog. So you can flip that at any time. That's an important thing to note with Jailhouse Dog. You flip that unique treasure at any time on any turn, and you can uh, basically eliminate or cancel, um, permanently eliminate any UT from the game. So, so that's a good little counter. I do find Jailhouse Dog to be kind of a fun ruiner, though. That's kind of how I refer to it. I don't really... I don't really like that UT thing, Karmic Idol and stuff like that. It kind of just ruins the fun for me, but whatever. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to go through a lot of crazy UTs in my games. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I have had experiences with Maps of Alexandria and, you know, Pirate Globe absolutely upending games because all of a sudden everybody knows where the valuable stuff is, yeah. and then it becomes... Uh, a race to that island or just kind of a fight over the island. Yeah. And yeah, those ones I find, I don't know, it kind of depends on the game and what treasures are out there. Those ones I find can make the game worse or better depending on, you know, what the situation is. So um, mm-hmm. it's kind of, that one kind of also, it, well, it doesn't ruin the fun, but it can ruin the surprise of like finding stuff at islands, especially if there's a lot of UTs. In a game with a lot of UTs, I love, especially on Basil when I'm playing somebody in, People have to be like, oh, and then it's like, oh, what is it? And it's like, oh, plague plus ruins of magic plus other stuff. It's like, oh my god. So mm-hmm. the the mats of Alexandria kind of messed that up a bit, but oh well. I like the surprise factor. And then the next post in the rules thread, actually, which I'll link to, um, actually talks about an interesting concept. So Master Commander, uh, former member of the forum, asked Wolf uh, if a ship like the San. Santa Isabel or Spain's native canoes gives my opponent plus X gold at its home island. And I rate him with Lokiro Phantasma. Is the gold still worth the plus X? And Wolf says, no, the extra gold is recorded separately for gold bonuses and does not stick to the specific coin, so it can't be stolen. So this is an interesting concept. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for house rules. Usually I do that, but I do um, extra coins. So on Vassals, Eric's and I have done that a bunch um, we basically just put extra coins to the side that are still on the home island, um, rather than increasing the value of an existing coin, or I think taking it out of play entirely is kind of not the best, uh, way to do it. So anyway, so I think it should still be available, but it shouldn't be like Wolf said, it also shouldn't be tied to the specific coin that's unloaded for gold bonuses. Yeah. That was something that at one point I was wondering about this stealing of gold that has seen its value increased i do wonder what about stuff like i think it's jade or all the other uts that can sort of have assigned values Mm -hmm. do they maintain the value if they're stolen are they converted into gold or are they or do they stay a ut with that value and can they be stolen and say re-rolled uh if uh, because there are at least a couple where the value of the UT is based upon a, you know, a die roll either when it's found or when it's taken to the home Island or yeah. other things. Yeah. yeah, so I'm it, wondering. Right? yeah it's in the pirate code. It's from that same post. And I'm, there's a lot to read um, in real time here, but it does say additional slash modified gold that is recorded in the tally 
cannot be stolen or removed from a home island by any means. The original treasure token that modification was applied to may be stolen or parlayed normally. So normally it's supposed to be kind of separate and taken out. I think it would be more interesting to do what you said and kind of have, um, not necessarily a free-for-all, but, but have things fluctuate or at least be able to be stolen. I don't really like the idea of having something be doubled in value and then it can't be stolen back. I'm assuming this is the same pirate quota entry that applies to that, um, I think. So I think it should be able to be stolen. But yeah, re-rolling re certain UTs, that would get kind of kind of wacky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most of that was about how uh, I'm wondering how home island rating interacts with UTs that have value. And I'm, I'm wondering if Wolf has an answer for that, whether a UT that's, say, unloaded, if it's eliminated from the game when it's converted into gold value, or if it remains a UT and can be stolen as one again, and thus yeah. sort of reactivated. I think it stays in game, but then you can't take it, essentially, like it's separate. So that's what I'm getting mm. from the entire code entry. Yeah, yeah, it's on that post, though. Yep. Um, I did look up Tyler. Um, it says, among the earliest recorded use of the surname, so the last name, is from the 14th century. Watt Tyler was the leader of a 1381 peasants' revolt in England. So, Well, that's a surname, not yeah, a first name. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. I, I, can, I can believe, you know, if... If the character's name, if their last name was Tyler, but first name seems kind of contemporary to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to try to look that up too. But anyway, the next thing uh, is combo ideas. So somebody suggested going over like ship and crew combos. So one thing I just want to mention, if you are going to use a world hater, like the ship gets plus one to rakin rolls against any non-faction ship, um, equipment are kind of an interesting way to augment that because equipment... Um, you can use with cannon the existing cannon's rank and range. So if you've got a 3L cannon, uh, it's good to put like fire shot or exploding shot on that. But then if you have a world hater, it becomes even better than 2L. So if you got the cargo on a, on a big capital gunship and uh, got world hater available, equipment are a good combo. Same with specialists. But then cannoneers and musketeers, I would not recommend as highly because if you've got a world hater, you're already increasing the chances of hitting anyway, so re-rolling with a cannoneer, not super great, and of course, musketeers, as most people probably know, you can't increase, or you can't you can't modify that cannon, it's a 3S either way, so musketeers don't really work well at all, world heaters, so just a little combo. Um, we'll try to do more segments on that, I suppose, um, and that's something that does come up naturally with customs and with the set reviews, especially, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't think I've actually put that much thought into how to combine the offensive abilities such as World Hater and other, you know, cannon augmenting abilities like Fire Shot or Fire Pot Specialist. But I, th I do think that there is stuff to explore there. Uh, not a lot with Musketeers, yeah, because WizKids did make the mistake of making them just a static three point three s. That's not really easy to pad out, not easy to improve. And so I think basically nobody uses musketeers for that reason, except yeah. in rare circumstances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Though wow. rare circumstances where they can actually be padded, like on ships that eliminate two masts with one hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there are some uses, but yeah. really you're better off with a cannoneer or just other stuff in general. So. Yeah, absolutely. And usually that's only on smaller ships, too, where uh, where number of guns is limited. Yeah. And then um, I will say uh, real quick, I do think about cannon ranks and ranges in terms of equipment versus specialists. So since specialists are generally uh, limit your range to S, I like to use them on ships that already have S range guns. And I've talked about it on the set reviews a little bit. But nowadays, this has only happened in the past year or so. But I've kind of developed kind of like a niche focus on ships that have 2S guns at the bow being used with specialists, especially firepot specialists. They're um, one of the better specialists in general. Um, so the 2S, that way um, the, the, bow, the bow cannon, the foremost cannon of the ship is usually going to be shooting first. So if you have a Captain Huntsman, the 2S gun at the bow, if a ship has it, that's a good place for a firepot specialist to kind of be almost assigned. You don't have to assign it to one cannon, but that's, you know, what you want to use it with. So, and then of course, equipment is not limited to S range. So I like using equipment on ships that have long range guns, um, like 3L or 2L. So anyway, that's just yeah. something I'd look for if I am planning to add specialists or equipment. You don't always have points, especially in a small game, but if you do, there are certain things to look for. I never really made that distinction. Um, I always just sort of thought of equipment as the cheap option that you could lose if you got a bad roll. Yep. But that does actually make a lot of sense because that is a difference that I think doesn't really matter to a lot of people. But yeah, it's not super that, important. But it's kind of like kind of like an idea is, of something to figure out. Yeah, it's like optimizing gunships, basically. So. Mm-hmm. Um. The next segment, I think, is uh, the video game segment. I don't know if we have talked about Skull and Bones yet. I think we. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we we might have. Um, one of my. I, I think we've talked about it only in the trailer sense, mm-hmm. but. Skull and Bones was uh, the trailer came out, and I was kind of a uh, negative Nancy about it. How I thought it was a little too fantasy-ish, like way more so than even Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Having seen some gameplay since, they actually seem to have some interesting mechanics going. Um, Because one of the weird things is there aren't a lot of naval warfare video games out there, and that's because real naval warfare doesn't really happen on all that fast a time scale. Mm Mm-hmm. And for that reason, in today's world of Call of Duty, you know, everybody wants their fast-paced action. There's not a lot of good stuff out there that... that is, it's kind of... Actual naval warfare is slow. The naval warfare people want to play is fast. And yet when you try to expedite it, you lose some of the nuance or things get chaotic or what have you. Um, that problem exists with World of Warships, yep. which I don't know if you've played, but... No, I've seen a couple of videos on YouTube, though, and it does look kind of hectic. It is a little bit hectic. Um, it's one of... It suffers from the fact that you rely on your teammates, and your teammates are most of the time not reliable. Hmm. And... 
Well, one of the problems with World of Warships is that it tries to play on gigantic map and be fast paced. And yet at the same time, you know, games are like 20 minutes. Um, the speeds are totally unrealistic. It'll say you're doing 20 or 30 knots and you cover like eight kilometers in a matter of minutes. Huh. It's yeah, it's it's really strange. It's got a totally bizarre sense of uh, pace and speed. And I don't even think that the game balance was all that good last I played it. Um, this relates to Skull and Bones and that from what I've seen of Skull and Bones gameplay, they have managed to figure out fast-paced naval combat, uh, especially Age of Sail stuff, and have some decent game mechanics to it, like sort of interplay between ship types. I'm interested in seeing more about the game as it comes closer to release. I don't actually know if they showed off anything about it at E3 this year. Do you happen to know? No, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, E3 this year has been pretty good. I think we can probably... I don't know. Do you watch E3? Nah. Nah, I don't. No. I mostly quit video games for the most part in like high school to a degree. So. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Um, I haven't done as much lately, but there has been stuff that I have been interested in. Uh, apparently, there was a new Skull and Bones trailer today. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, I might watch that in a minute, but probably not straight away while I'm on the podcast. And I doubt you can because I think you're not allowed to play other videos on oh. YouTube Live. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. who knows what would happen, but yeah. Video games are something I would do more uh, if I had time and didn't have other stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and it's kind of, that actually gets into what I was going to say. I don't really have much else to add to the topic as usual, but um, but mm -hmm. the 4X games, um, it's like Explore, Exterminate, uh, whatever else. Those actually interest me a lot because they remind me of Pirates campaign games and kind of the idea of building this grand, epic, like, world game type of, like, game of life rule set that goes on, you know, infinitely um, basically forever. Um, so that's the type of thing that I'm interested in. Um, but it's, it's something I would do much later in life. Um, unlike pirates, kind of like my own version of it in the Caribbean game where, uh, where that started. Um, but it's kind of stopped for now. <coughs> um, um, what do you mean by 4X, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it's like 4X. Uh, if you Google, I'll Google it here to try to get it up too. It's basically like a type of game. Um, on Wikipedia, it says 4X is a genre of strategy-based video and board games in which players control an empire and explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like grand strategy that lasts a long time and uh, kind of like a big world type of idea. So video or board game, but I guess I don't know if I hmm. prefer both or I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, grand strategy games. Yeah, yeah I'm... Yeah, I'm wondering if there are any sort of Age of Sail 4X-style games. I doubt there are. Yeah, I know Sid Meier's Pirates is, like, a big deal, but um, but some, some of them kind of stray beyond, I don't know, some of them are, like, not quite 4X games. I don't know, I don't really know much about the, uh, the different types and whatnot, but it does say Sid Meier, the creator of the Civilization series of 4X games, he's a big, um, big creator in that kind of genre and he does have a Sid Meier's Pirates game so there is some stuff um, but 4X games I think 
are mostly like even bigger. So it would be like sailing and land and other stuff. So rather than just yeah. like one, you know, age of sail naval thing. But so it, it would encompass that, but also other aspects like political stuff, which I like. But anyway. yeah, I think of. I mean, that game we've talked about in the past, I've heard it compared to Sid Meier's Pirates. I have never played Sid Meier's Pirates, so I don't know how accurate a comparison that is. But um, eventually, if we do find the time to do Windward, that would be delightful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, one quick idea I had was uh, some people actually wanted rankings on the podcast. I think at least two people in the survey suggested it. So I was thinking we could do a quick little ranking of the specialist crew. Um, so, mm. the so there's, yeah, there's, there's this, smoke like, pot, fire pot, stink pot. Um, what else was it? Chain shot. Yeah, chain shot. Exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah. So I would say fire pot, probably the best, um, mm-hmm. the most part. And then I do have a soft spot for stink pot specialists because they're a cheaper version of like a canceling effect. So I think mm-hmm. those are actually, um, undervalued in general. And then from there, I suppose Chain Shot would be third, and then Smoke Pot fourth. I think Chain Shot is pretty much always passed on. I've almost never used them myself, and I've played a ton. Smoke Pot is basically defensive strategy, usually. Um, or I would say Smoke Pot could be as good as Chain Shot, especially if it was two points instead of three. Smoke Pots, I think, shouldn't be more than two. They're not an offensive ability at all. I think they could be two points. And uh, Smoke Pot's do have a niche role with fog hopping and home island raiding and stuff like that so it is it is an interesting concept but i, th- I think smoke pot is better than chain shot because yeah. you can use it offensively and kind of fuzz up the direction in which your uh, opponent can run mm-hmm. um at least that's assuming you can actually put your opponent in a fog bank i don't know actually, you- i should know that or if you don't, Wolf does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I bet you can. I don't think there's anything in the text about not being allowed to touch uh, another ship. I see it says that, though. It says, simply place oh. the center of a fog bank with an asset of the ship. It may not touch an island or any ship docked at an island. Okay. It's only docked or, at or, so. Yeah, only a ship docked at an island. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, so if you did want to uh, throw off a gold runner you could just throw them into a fog bank and then they'd only have a small chance of exiting in the direction they want. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Actually. I don't think I've tried yeah. that strategy before. And you don't have to roll for it. Whereas with a chain shot, you do have to roll to hit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I would say smoke pot is better than chain shot. Definitely. Even though it's yeah. more costly. Yeah. It's more costly, but it has more uses and it's more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Chain shot. I think, is chain shot one or two points? Two. It should be one. That's it's, yeah. it's not that effective. It's that's, it's like a really weak canceler. Yeah. That's a perfect segue, because uh, a question I had was, uh, should specialists in general be cheaper? Because uh, if you consider the cost of them compared to, like, captains, helmsmen, world hater, and, like, action generators, cancelers, all that stuff is better for not all mm-hmm. that many more points. So I think most of the specialists could maybe go to one point. Uh, maybe not fire pot specialists, because then they can be somewhat powerful. But uh, I don't know if you think specialists should be cheaper, but I think it would be an interesting you know, house rule to play around with. I don't think fire pots need to be cheaper. 
uh, stink pots can probably come in at two. I want to say the same for smoke pots and chain shot at one. Okay. Yeah. So like half and half. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them should be cheaper. Others don't really need modification. Cool. All right. Yeah. That pretty much wraps it up. I guess that would be my question of the day for lack of any other ones. If, if, uh, if the audience thinks this, uh, specialist crew in general should be cheaper or not. So, but you can have a question if you want, of course. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have anything at the moment. Uh, I guess I do have a request of the day, and it's nice. that more people involve themselves in the worst ship's thread. Because I, I'm i really keen to see how offensively bad people can make their ships. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, seriously, come up with stuff that's outright ridiculous and unusable. And... If possible, even find a way to uh, to use it in a game anyway, yep. just because. Nice. If, yeah. if somebody does manage to find a way to make like a really, really bad ship used in a game, then and post pictures of it, I would be delighted. Yeah. Maybe I'll try to bring out one of my three abominations in that case. I don't know when I'll <laughs> play another physical game, but maybe I'll get around to it someday. Um, yeah. Derek is wondering if uh, Skull and Bones is better than Sea of Thieves. I have no idea. Um, I'm, I, I've played Sea of Thieves a little bit, the beta. Last I knew, everybody kind of burned out on it because there was nothing to do. Um, Skull and Bones is a completely different kind of game, as far as I know. And from what I've seen, it's a lot more interesting and actually has some promise. So Nice. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm going to watch the trailer after we finish with this because yeah, exactly. there's a new one that just came out today. Yep, cool. All right, that wraps up uh, Pirate CSG podcast number 25. We thank you for listening and watching, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for the Fire and Steel set review. So have yep. a good night, everybody. Yep, good day. the set review is going to be really interesting, and I'll have more energy for that one. And hopefully I won't be as negative sounding because I feel like I've been a rather <laughs> negative Nancy today. That's all right. Well, we both were to some degree. So, all right. See you guys later.